Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I'm here with Sam. Sam and I are going to get into branding, B2B marketing, LinkedIn, entrepreneurship, a lot of things here. Sam, what's going on, man? What do you know that we don't know? <laughs> Ruben, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure to be on here. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting all things, personal branding, uh, LinkedIn, uh, and B2B marketing. Is there anything you kind of you want me to dive in and particular to start us off? Well, I mean, I think that this idea of B2B and marketing and personal branding, all these things I think before in the old world used to be very separate. And I feel like they've all become one now, mm. this integration. So I'd love to explore that topic with you. Yeah, totally. And I think so personal branding for me is kind of at the core of it in, in terms of what I do specifically. And it's something that I think gets confused and complicated quite a lot. People throw around a, a lot of sort of wishy washy advice around personal branding, um, and they're saying a lot of things. They're giving a lot of advice, but what they're saying doesn't have any have any substance to it. You know, people are kind of doing all these things, using all these tips and tricks and hacks to to build a personal brand because it's it's kind of a popular thing to do at the moment, but it's not actually helping them out at all. It's not actually growing their business. Um, and I'll take growing growing a business as the kind of goal for personal branding it's probably the most common one there are obviously others and and you don't have to build a personal brand that does grow your business but for ease of communication i'll take that as the example you know a personal brand should be practical it should grow your business it should get more purchases it should get you more clients it shouldn't just be this thing you do to to kind of make yourself feel nice and happy about yourself it should be practical so that's where i think the kind of B2B marketing side, um, the more scientific, psychological side of the marketing approach comes into personal branding and, and kind of ties it all together nicely. Mm. So what are you noticing some, some I mean, speaking of uh, tips, tricks, and hacks, <laughs> what are some of the practical ones that you see people doing right now on, on LinkedIn? Because I mean, LinkedIn is, when you think, link, when you think B2B marketing, First place that I think is always LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. So, so what kind of what kind of a flow can uh, can people get into? What do you recommend? Yeah. So the first thing I look at whenever someone comes through the LinkedIn problem, um, quite often it's the first thing clients come to and say, you know, I want to uh, use my personal brand to get more leads on LinkedIn, whatever it is. First thing you've got to look at is the profile. The profile is it's like your your home. Let's let's take LinkedIn as as like dating. You know, you're almost dating your your prospects. And I say dating because there's some blokes out there that need to know that LinkedIn is not a dating site. Um, <laughs> but, but I say dating as, as a kind of um, example. If, if you were to take a date on a nice dinner and um, buy flowers and whatever, and you bring a, him or her home and your house is a mess, it's, it's going to put them off. Right? They're probably not going to come back for more if it shows you're a messy, unorganized person. The same can be said of your LinkedIn profile. You can put out amazing content. You can build relationships with people in one-to-one messages. You can do all the things that we typically say. But if your profile is completely different to what you're putting out in your content or 
uh, it's not optimized accordingly. You don't clearly show what you do and how you help people. You're not going to be driving any sales. You're not going to be building a personal brand that's going to sustain in the long term. Uh, so the first, so the, the profile is kind of the key starting point. Just some some kind of key pointers around that profile picture and tagline. For me, the the two most important things, as many or well, LinkedIn users will know. When you come across someone's profile in the feed or in, on your network tab, you don't see their full profile. You just see their profile picture and the little tagline about them. So those are really key in actually capturing attention and um, essentially earning the right to have someone come through and look at your f full profile. And I mean, once someone has actually clicked onto your profile and viewed the full thing, that's your kind of chance to wow them, to say, look, this is what I do. This is what I help. If you're suffering from this problem, we're the people for you. And that's where it gets very practical. And you can do that through your, your about section. Probably, aside from the profile picture and tagline, probably the most important part, because it's really where you get to elaborate on what you're doing and essentially sell yourself. You can almost use LinkedIn as, as a sales page. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm not, I don't recommend sticking in a, a sales picture or a course of action every other line. But you need to be having this call to action to get people to um, follow through to your website or, or send you a message. Um, the big thing about LinkedIn is that, yeah, it's great for, for reaching 660 million odd members, I think it has now. It has that huge audience. But you're also competing with millions of other people. I think people need to remember this about social media is that there's a large, large audience, but there's a lot of competition. Someone, on the other hand, clicks through to your website or um, views a webinar you've created. They've gone through that sequence to your website or your webinar just to see you. I call it your home ground. You, know, you control the content on that webinar. You control the content on your website or your podcast. You control what they're seeing. And that's where I believe the real conversion happens is when people actually go through to that. Um, at the same time, I've, I've noticed a lot recently things like soft calls to action on your profile do really well. Um, so rather than asking someone to book in a call with you through a Calendly link, I've actually done this change with a client of mine fairly recently. We changed a call to action from book a call with me now through this link to uh, send me a message if you want to, uh, he's a marketer, if you want to um, grow your, your business, whatever the business it is. And he actually received clients in that week, you know, higher ticket clients paying thousands of dollars just from that change in the wording of this profile. So um, yeah, soft call to actions are, are really important in there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. I, I, there's a couple of takeaways that I have here. Number one is that conversational marketing is is key, you know, the back and forth. Uh, I think it's relevant in B2B. I think it's relevant when you're working at uh, a, a kind of a maybe a smaller number of prospects or contacts uh, if you're working in the hundreds or the thousands obviously it's not sustainable so i think i think it's for b2b it makes total sense to drive that to the message to the conversation assuming that you're answering those and providing those providing value and you know personalization the other thing that i connected to with what you said is the profile because i think too many people on linkedin and i can say this because i used to be guilty of this is they kind of skip that really important step of driving traffic to initially their bio, their profile, their about section, understanding who they are, and then actually going 
to a website or a Calendly link or the message, the message uh, module, you know, going somewhere else. It's kind of like the, a lot of people, I think, want to jump over that step of the about section. They want to jump to that. And from a post, you know, or from a message, they want to drive someone to their website. But that probably is not going to happen. You know, you're going to get a very low conversion rate unless you warm people up, educate people, let them know what you're about and get them to really kind of trust you first. Yeah, completely agree. And and this is where the consistency of content argument comes in. Content is obviously hugely important for personal, for personal branding, um, particularly content marketing. Again, that's kind of one of the things that ties all these things together to make your personal brand practical. Your content obviously needs to, to capture attention, to engage people and then to, um, ultimately convert them into clients. That's right. in the majority of cases, that's not going to happen in one post. You know, occasionally, yes, we do get, get examples where someone sees one post of yours and, and become a client in the space of a week. But realistically, the majority of people aren't going to do that, especially when you're selling um, higher price point products or services. You've got to have that consistency of content to show them not only that you know what you're talking about, but you have a very specific service that gets a specific result for certain people. Mm -hmm. And being really clear on that, I think is, is a huge difference between the personal brands that are making a lot of money on LinkedIn and the people that get a lot of engagement on their posts, but they're not making any money or not getting any clients. So speaking of content, I mean, how do you develop a content schedule? I think that's one of the hardest parts for people is coming up with a schedule, a list of content every two times a week, once a day, they write, they record, they send a tweet out, you know, how do, how do you compile that list of ideas? And then how do you iterate that based on the response that you're getting? Yeah. Or not, or so I think, getting? I think before I, I dive into it, the, the key thing I would say is don't overcomplicate it. Mm -hmm. You know, posting five times a week randomly is better than not posting at all. So, so if it's really overwhelming, if anyone listening to this finds it super overwhelming, don't overcomplicate it. Go to the basics. Um, the way to do that is take what you know. Take one of your courses, if you have a course, or um, the typical process you take a coaching client through, for example, or, or even just brain dump everything you know, okay, into it might be a mind map or whatever. Just brain dump it so it's all out there. And then organize it into, into topics, into kind of related things. And then you can just take each topic as a week's worth of content. You might have four topics. You might have 20. That's fine. As long as they're related to, to what you're doing. I would then create a, a long-form piece of content on that topic. So you've kind of, you've brain dumps. You've, you've bracketed each piece of information into kind of a subtopic. And that's going to form your content for the week. Write a long-form piece of content on that on that um, topic. Doesn't have to be writing. Could be a podcast. This is a great example of long-form content right here. Could be a video, but create something with substance first. You know, something, maybe a ten-minute video, uh, a twenty, thirty-minute podcast, a blog article. You can then break that down into your five posts really simply. Once you've created that article, you're not going to run out of ideas for the week because you can easily break an article down into, into five pieces. Um, that's what's commonly referred to as repurposing it. It'll also save you a lot of time. You're not having to completely reinvent the wheel 
every time you want to create a piece of content. You have this kind of um, longer piece that you can refer back to and take parts of it and repurpose. And I've, I've seen some of your content on LinkedIn doing this really well, is, is taking a full podcast episode, taking the highlights from that and posting that as a video on LinkedIn is a great example. Um, so that's kind of the step-by-step -step process I'd take if I were to, to simplify it down for the listeners. You know, we, we, we love this model so much. We, we kind of coined a, a phrase for it. Uh, we call it the waterfall method. And I actually don't know where that, that name came from. I like I the think, name. Really yeah. Like the name. <laughs> we, we, we coined this because, you know, we start with this just burst of information. It's the long form content. It's the podcast like this. It's the long audio recording. You yeah. know, when, when I used to commute every day, I would record a video or sometimes just an audio when I was driving and I was, I was in the zone. I was on the freeway, but I was in the zone. And, uh, you know, from that would come blog posts or an ebook or some sort of a guide. It would be the catalyst for some really interesting content. Not always. Sometimes it would be kind of two stream of consciousness and random, but a lot of the times it would, it would formulate into something. And then we decided to scale that over pretty much everything we do. So now Zoom or podcasts, you know, everything for us starts in the long form. And then it flows down, the water flows down and then goes to the creeks and the rivers and the valleys. Yeah. It's little, little puddles and little ponds. And, and a lot of that is what you said, which is basically repurposing, you know? Yeah. So we kicked off, you know, we started using actually this week, we started creating, we started taking our six to 10 minute videos on YouTube and cutting those into three or four Instagram reels, you know, really short 15, 12 to 15 second videos. And it's basically a six minute video in like 15 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's, awesome. di it's dynamic and it's an effort, but you know, we believe in the model. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it's scalable. I think that's one of the huge benefits of it is that, okay, you, you've written a blog post and you get five LinkedIn posts from it or whatever. You can also get five infographics for Instagram or five quote images. You can get five more posts for Facebook. You can record a short video of yourself saying each post that you put on LinkedIn or whatever and post on YouTube or whatever. You can, there's kind of no end to how much you can repurpose your waterfall or how many streams and rivers can come off your waterfall. Right. <laughs> you know, and then I think what we also realized is that by by our f kind of fueling and creating content like this, um, it fuels a larger ecosystem because we always try to share our recorded assets, our videos. You know, when, when we're done with this, we're going to share a bunch of clips with you and then you're welcome to use those wherever you'd like. So, you know, we feel really good about creating content, but then also uh, making it and creating it for different types of attention spans. Some people will listen to a podcast for 30 minutes. Some people will watch six, you know, five minute clips. Some people will watch three 60 second clips and then that's it. But at least we can fit within any of these, you know, different types of, of, of folks, you know, based on how much time they have or attention span. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're missing out on a huge proportion of your audience if you don't do that. If you know, you, your audience might be made up of 70% of people that prefer short form content. But if you're just posting hour long podcast episodes or 2000 word blog posts, it's not going to uh, kind of captivate their attention for long enough for you to have enough of an influence over them for them to ultimately 
be in a position to make a decision to to buy from you or whatever. Yeah. And my question for you is, how much is too much? You know, some people say, you know, I see you too much. I've heard people say that to, I, I don't think ever anyone's ever said that to me. I see your stuff too much. But I've heard other people say that to other from other people. And I, and I think that uh, I like, I would like to think that if someone is not interested in our content, that the algorithm is not going to feed it to them. If they're not engaging with the content, it's just not going to show it to them in the future. So that's the assumption that I go by. But, but I think that in not necessarily seeing content on a feed, just by someone saying, I post three times or five times a week, you know, critics might say that that's just too much, not potentially seeing the benefits of it. What is your take on that? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things at play here. And I don't think it's, it's not easy to make an absolute statement about, you know, what is definitively too much. It's going to depend on the person, how good a content creator they are, how much time they have, etc. A few of the variables, I think, firstly, the, quant the quantity versus quality debate. You can produce, say, three high-quality posts a week. Can you produce 10? Great, you, you can produce 10 posts a week, but if they're really low quality, then it's far better to produce three high-quality ones. So don't push yourself to post so much that the quality of your content decreases. Quality has to come first. With that said, if you're posting a lot of quality content, if it is high quality, it's much less likely that someone is going to say to you, I'm seeing too much of your content. If someone's saying, I'm seeing too much of you, it suggests that your, your content might not be um, good enough for them. Okay, That's probably not a problem if they're not part of your target audience. If there's someone completely unrelated to the people you're looking to build an audience of, don't kind of read too much into it that's fine if your audience are loving the amount of content you're putting out and it's high quality and they're not complaining about seeing you too much brilliant there's actually a study i think it was done at uh, mit a while ago it might have been stanford where they got four women to attend varying number of, of lectures at the university and these women went into the lectures throughout the course of a, a semester and they didn't talk to anyone they didn't interact with anyone they simply went to the lectures and left at the end. And they, they went to a different number of lectures based on each one. So one went to, to none at all, another might have gone to, to two or three, one went to half, and then uh, the last would have gone to all of them. And they then surveyed the students at the end of the year, gave them uh, images of the, the women's faces and asked them to rate their likability. Hmm. What they actually found was that uh, the women were ranked for likability in order of the number of lectures they had attended. Mm. So, so the woman that attended the most was was liked the most, and the woman that attended the least was liked the least. And it's called the mere exposure effect. And essentially, the principle is that the more someone sees you, the more they will like you, um, presuming that experience isn't negative. Um, so that kind of suggests that posting a lot of content isn't necessarily a bad thing um, if it's if it's high quality. Um, I think the last the last factor at play there is time. You can produce, you know, if if I devoted all my time to it, I'm sure I could produce Gary Vaynerchuk levels of content every week and and get out hundreds of posts. But it wouldn't leave me any time to serve clients, um, improve my own knowledge, prospect, which is another really important thing you need to be doing on LinkedIn is the outbound prospecting. 
um, work on my business, etc. Um, so time is, is another thing to consider. And I think, again, that's down to the individual and, and how long it takes them um, to create posts. So I guess quite a roundabout answer, but the answer I'd give is that there is no hard and fast um, number of posts that is too much. It, it, it depends on you and, and your content creating ability. Mm. So you, you mentioned outbound. You know, what, what type of su success have you seen with Outbound on LinkedIn? I mean, my, my general kind of consensus or thesis at this point is that inboxes on LinkedIn are just getting jam-packed. It is, it is really hard to break through. You know, I, I mean, I get hundreds of messages every week. And I can't imagine what people with, you know, 100,000 connections on, on LinkedIn, what that even looks like. I can't even imagine so uh, how do you punch through in yeah. someone's LinkedIn inbox if there's a lot of people that are frankly selling? Yeah, yeah, and, and Outbound does get this bad rep because people are spamming inboxes with first message sales pitches, which is not an effective strategy. I don't, I haven't ever bought anything and I don't know anyone that has bought something that's been sent over through a first message sales pitch. Um, so that's where I think Outbound prospecting gets the bad rep from um, but to cut through the noise we've obviously spoken about content a lot already that's a big thing if if i'm seeing you posting awesome content every day on my link, linkedin feed and then see your name amongst 20 others in my inbox that's going to be the first one that i answer i'm not going to read the ones from people i've never even heard of that offer something that doesn't interest me I'm going to go straight to the one from the person that I know and I like and I trust. So, so posting content is kind of the first step um, to breaking through the noise. And again, comes back to my point that everything ties in together. Uh, the other is personalization and not scripting your, your messages. A lot of the time, what we'll find is that the messages being ignored, typically the first message sales pitches, are just copy and pasted messages. The same thing going out to every single person. Um, which is obviously done so that people can send out a large number of requests or, or messages together. You know, they can play the numbers game essentially, which, yeah, quantity has its time and, and it is important. Um, but in terms of actual outbound messaging, I would focus on quality first. So take the time, research the person you're messaging. You don't have to spend hours on them, but spend 30 seconds a minute looking at the profile, picking up on things, so that you can personalize that first message and get the conversation going. Really good things to pick up on are things like mutual interests. If there's something that you're both interested in um, that you can pick up on, great. Have they just achieved something recently? Or maybe they started a new job or posted a piece of content that you resonated with. Find something to pick up on on a personal level. Ignore business for now and, and connect with them as a person before um, before you connect with them as a business. And that will kind of capture attention and, and get you um, replies because no one else is doing it. Everyone's just sending pictures saying, this is what we do, are you interested? If you send someone a message saying, hey, Ruben, really enjoyed that piece of content you posted the other day. Here's my thoughts on it. That's going to capture attention and you're likely going to reply. Then we've got the conversation going. There's a bit of rapport and a bit of trust there. And that's when you start to connect on a business level. Now, I'm very adamant that you, you can't script human interaction. You know, you, 
every human comes with with a different agenda, a different um, backstory. People have experienced different things in the three hours leading up to your conversation. You know, you can't script every conversation with a human. Um, with that said, you can have kind of frameworks. If you're you're targeting a, a similar demographic or more importantly, psychographic, if your audience are largely um, kind of doing similar things in their lives at the moment, you can have a framework for kind of transitioning to discussing um, business conversations. So you want to want to use a framework again with personalization, not sending out copy and pasted messages to understand their business, understand their problems, and actually see whether you can solve a problem. Again, this is another another thing with the first message sales pitches, is they don't actually know whether you've got the problem first. You need to actually know whether you can help the person before you even pitch them. How can you possibly say to someone, I think I can help you when you don't know their problem? Um, so that's probably a few key things that I'd bear in mind during outbound prospecting. Nice, I tend to agree on that. You know, there's this, there's this funny thing that I've seen a couple of times now in a screenshot. You know, I think a really common thing that some people do is they'll, they'll take some interaction they get on LinkedIn. It'll be someone sending them a cold message or something that's slightly awkward. They'll take a screenshot of that, post it as a piece of content, and then do a scribble on the person's name and then some sort of a call out like, hey, look at this person. They sent me such a cold salesy message right from the beginning. And this is just a terrible practice. Check this out. I've seen this dozens of times now where it's a public call out. You know, if the person if the person has a little bit of tact, they 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 kind of scribble out or blur out the person's name and profile picture. But I've seen this and it's a common thing. And I think one of the other jokes that I've seen around this is here it comes dot dot dot, which is when someone sends a really personalized message that's non salesy, you know, someone writes, here it comes, dot, dot, dot. And then, of course, the next message is, is the sales pitch, which is just basically calling people out on their being disingenuous or, you know, doing something that seems like it's not super authentic, where their ulterior motive is just to sell something. And I think to your point, I think that it requires the idea and the mentality that these are real connections and real relationships that can be created and nurtured here. Not just, I have to please you, I have to impress you, and then I can go for the kill with my sales pitch. And that's hard. That takes that takes a lot of time. And a lot of people don't put in that time. Yeah, for sure. And there's a, there's a nice balance here. It's a difficult balance to get between having that authenticity and being genuine about the connections you are making, not kind of faking any messages and you know being on linkedin which is filled with professionals to do business and you have to kind of get the the balance between that which i appreciate is a very difficult thing to do and something that's um, by no means picked up overnight um, the way i've found to get around this is to actually only do outbound prospecting to people that i genuinely find interesting mm. so if they i will only reach out to someone if i genuinely think their their service is great or they're on an awesome mission or whatever it is if if they don't interest me i'll simply say okay i'm not that interested i'm not going to fake a conversation so that i can work with you um so ensure you're actually interested in the people that you that you're looking to to kind of work with it's um probably my key bit of advice uh, but also accept that 
not every conversation is going to turn into a new client and that's fine you know a lot of people on linkedin are there to do business and that's what i think it should be used for there's no point kind of um beating around the bush and never actually making any progress you know we need to have conversations about whether we can actually help each other grow our businesses you know that's what people want and um if that means that every now and then someone thinks that you're being um inauthentic when you're not then that's kind of the natural downfalls of it is going to happen i i wouldn't get too worked up about it um, mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's a fine balance but i think bearing those two things in mind um allows you to to yeah keep it real nice and where can where can people find more about you your website linkedin profile yeah best places on my linkedin profile uh, links out to to my websites um and other socials from there so that's the best place to find me i'm just sam winsbury on there i don't think there are any other sam winsbury's on linkedin so nice sam well i really appreciate your time man and i will i will see you on linkedin awesome ruben it's been awesome thanks for having me on see you sam